When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Snaresbrook, come in Snaresbrook, are you receiving me? I'm receiving you, hello. We are still recording separately, but this week it's Annabelle who's in the plague house. I am in plague house, yeah, my son's got Covid. Have you put him in a bubble? Yeah, what I've done is I've put him in his bedroom, opened the window wide and then locked the door. Not seen him for a few days. <laughs> Joking. It's very quiet. Joking. <laughs> no, I can't isolate a child. It's really annoying. I you know, know. I bet it is. So I just have to spend all day breathing it in and waiting to get it myself. It's terrible. How often are you testing? Oh, just daily. That's very uh, restrained of you. Do you think I should be doing twice a day? I feel like you're one of these people who's testing daily under normal circumstances. <laughs> No, twice a week under normal okay. circumstances. Okay. So, yeah, so just daily. I am out of isolation. Uh, I got out on Sunday. I celebrated by going ice skating. And when um, when Annabelle and I just started this call before we started recording, I was singing Laura Bl- Brannigan's um, Gloria because it's yeah. just stuck in my head now. Because w- whenever I think about ice skating, I think about that scene from Flashdance which is set to that song. And now it's just going round and round and round and round and driving me to the point of insanity. But um, it's it's just like a local leisure centre near us has an ice rink in it and I had no idea. I'm surprised. I thought it was just something that opened, like popped up, like a pop-up, isn't it? A Christmas pop-up. It wasn't one of those, no. Mm. Um, I am very rigid on ice skates. I'm, I'm entirely unsurprised. The last time I went ice skating, I think, was about seven or eight years ago on one of those Christmassy pop-up outdoor ones. And I remember not being able to move. It was like that bit in The Wizard of Oz where the Tin Man's going, oil can. <laughs> um, was that before or after your audition to be on Dancing on Ice? <laughs> it was after. I think that's what knocked my uh, confidence. <laughs> they approached you, I hasten to yes. add. You didn't, like... Turn up to an open audition no. for Dancing on Ice, no. Do you ever think about how strange that was? A lot. No, not a lot, no, but maybe annually, whenever it, that show comes back on the telly. Why Why did they ask me? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Well, you, you were doing a breakfast show at the time. No, so no, think, no, we were doing the Jeff show at the time. You're joking. So we did a late night show. Oh, wow. I'm even more confused. It's really odd, isn't it? Yeah, I guess maybe someone was a fan and they thought, correctly, that you'd be terrible and it'd be funny. And that was why. But maybe you were better than they thought and that's why you didn't pass the audition. No, this is my theory on it. I think with any of these things, Mm. there's a level of bad where it's funny and then beneath Um, that there's a level of bad where it's unworkable. Because you can't do anything apart from like scatter about. Well, I can't even scatter. I think I would have been so... I I don't remember much about it. I had to go to Alexander Palace Ice Rink in London with a producer and um, a researcher with a video camera. And we went round the rink a few times whilst they asked me some questions. And I remember being kids pointing at me and laughing. (laughs) Yeah, that's quite a low level then. Yeah, I also remember not 
having a spoon that when we were in the cafe beforehand and and we were having the pre-chat not having a spoon to take the tea bag out of my tea Mm. And doing it with my fingers and then being really horrified at watching me squeeze a tea bag with my fingers like it was the beginning of Kung Fu, where he's, <laughs> you know, holding the boiling pot between his arms. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that that was that. That was an odd chapter, an odd chapter. Mm. Mm. Um, but there was on Sunday at this Leisure Centre Ice Rink, so it's basically a bunch of useless people like like me and families going round and some slightly better. And then in the middle, there was what looked like an Olympian, this young woman doing spins and twirls. And what I couldn't tell is if actually she was at a reasonably basic level for somebody who could ice skate. And just compared to everybody else, she looked like a professional. Oh uh, yes, I think it's actually yeah. That there's a there's a step up for a beginner where it's really hard to tell. I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I had no idea. Like she's do, spinning round and round. If someone goes backwards, that's enough for me. I think they might be professional. Oh, Sarah can go backwards. She cannot because Sarah was dragging Jean around. She was going backwards, dragging Jean around, and I was following slowly, holding onto the sides. <laughs> How can, d- did she have lessons? How can she go backwards? I think she used to go ice skating as a kid, but I don't think she ever had lessons. Um, I don't know. She, it was, it was wow. remarkable. It was some something to behold. There was nothing graceful about it, but uh, you know, she did it make you love her more or less? <laughs> Every day, I love her more. <laughs> of course, so of just course, by I default, just because time was moving forward. Yes, of course, course I was course. loving her more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then then I was thinking about this ice ballerina or whatever you would call her i couldn't work out if it was annoying or not why would it be annoying because it was showing off so i no, she was just skating that's not showing off is it, it might, what she's supposed to do she can't do it at home she can't practice at home she can only practice in public come on now come on right mm. so either she's an olympian and she has to put in those hours and it doesn't matter if there's 50 families moving slowly around her or not. Um, mm. She has to get in those hours because she's so determined. Uh, her eyes are on the prize. Other- yeah. Otherwise, she's a show-off and it's like, oh, look at me. Right. I am better than everybody else in a way that you find impossible to quantify. <laughs> so I'm going to pull focus all afternoon. Or maybe she just likes ice skating and got good at it and she still likes it. Maybe. Oh! <laughs> No, okay. early in the morning. Okay. Well, yeah, I didn't see her. You would have seen her eyes. I, I'm, I can't judge. I, mean, I can't tell. Can I generally can't tell. Okay. Okay. But she had much more professional-looking skates on than I did. Right. Right. <laughs> if I had those skates, it'd be different. I'd be twirling around course. to Gloria. Of course. Of course. Um, yeah. Oh God, I've been yammering on for ages, and uh, I, I barely even started yet. Uh, it's, it's because I'm making the most of my new life out of self-isolation. Yeah, what have you been doing with your freedom apart from going ice skating? Um, so I did message you uh, yesterday at about three o'clock in the afternoon and you said, oh, well, I'm still in my dressing gown. I sent you a photo <laughs> to prove it, didn't I? No, although yeah, like yeah. nine days in isolation and, and what do I do mm. on my first free day to myself? Stay mm-hmm. in and don't get dressed. No. <laughs> no. Um, so, yeah, I went to I went to the doctor today. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'll tell you, tell you something weird happened, but I'll tell you, tell you that in a bit. I also went to the barber today. Oh, yeah? What, hair or beard or both? Both. The, the barber okay. said to me at some stage, have you got any plans for any trips this year? And I said, no, not as of yet. We'll see how it goes. And he said, yeah, yeah, I've been thinking the same thing. I'll have to see where I'll uh, let me in without a vaccine. Oh. It's not what you okay. want to hear, is it? I'm trying to um, not be judgmental. Well, that was his way of telling you as well, by the way. Yeah. It was com- completely engineered because he wanted to get the conversation exactly going. Exactly that. Yes, yeah, that, okay. Yeah, I yeah. feel okay about being judgmental because I read mm. a thing last week about you know, people's reasons aren't always as simple as you think they are. And, yeah, um, yeah. and I've been trying to have a bit more empathy. But I think if somebody is desperate to steer the conversation Mm-mm. onto the fact that they're not vaccinated or that they don't like vaccines, then it's mm. okay to judge them. And did you did you bite? No, did I just you take up the. I um, just carried on as if he hadn't said it. Oh, well done! Yeah. That would have driven me mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. Okay, so here's what I do have to tell you. Okay, right. 
the worst thing that has ever happened to anyone happened to me on Sunday. Okay. I took Jean to the theatre to see a right. children's production. Mm-hmm. I won't say what it was because it wasn't good. Okay. That's very fair of you. To the extent that um, about halfway through the first half, Gene needed to the t- go to the toilet and he couldn't hang on till the interval. So we had to do the uncomfortable thing of leaving a theatre during the performance. And I really, really hoped that they wouldn't let me back in until after oh, the interval. Right. Oh, that bad. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, when we arrived at the theatre... There's a little bit of a cue to get in because the first thing you have to do when you get in is sanitise your hands. Mm-hmm. There's a hand, hand sanitising station there. And I press the top of the thing. It's like a soap dispenser thing where you press it down and it comes out, yeah? Mm-hmm. Press it down. Nothing happens. Mm-hmm. Press it again a bit harder. Nothing happens. Press it again harder, firmer, keep it compressed for longer. Nothing happens. Ooh, okay. What do you do at that point? Give up. It's probably what I should have done. <laughs> I pretended that some sanitizer was on my hands and then pretended to do the oh, wiping oh. my hands thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not the worst thing. Okay. The worst thing is the man behind me in the queue then says, I think there's actually a sensor underneath. <gasps> so he you has know. seen me pretend oh. to sanitize my hands. And rather than just like nudge whoever he's with or, and then tell people, I saw a guy pretend to sanitise his hands. <laughs> I don't know if he thought he was being helpful, but he wasn't. I mean, it was just a humiliation. This is terrible. So what I did was, when we left to go to the toilet, um, I, I then went to a local snooker hall, got two snooker balls, took my sock off, put them inside <laughs> the sock, waited for the man outside the theatre and then bludgeoned him repeatedly with it. With my oh, weapon. Obviously. <laughs> sure, I don't have a violent... Imp- I know you do, but I don't have a violent impulse like that. No, that wasn't like you to say that. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I enjoyed the fantasy element. I want yeah. you to say at the end, did you sense that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, what have, uh, what have the drifters been getting in touch with, Annabelle? Okay, first one is from Tim. He says... There were 300 people where I worked and one of them was leaving. Let's call him Rob. I sat next to him for a few months and he was a nice guy. So when he was leaving, I thought, I've hidden too many times to avoid saying awkward goodbyes to people I really genuinely like. So I'm going to make an effort this time. I get up to go over to him. He seems to be just standing there. So great. I walk straight up to him, then suddenly realise I have no idea what to say. I know, I think. I'll just shake his hand and say goodbye, which I do. He turns awkwardly and says, thanks, mate. And I think, well, this is going fine. Why do I make such a fuss about saying goodbye? And it's then that I noticed he was in the middle of his goodbye speech and I was the only person in the office not listening to the speech and I'm now standing there just shaking his hand and I'm still shaking his hand and looking at everyone in the company and they're all looking at me. Did I mention 300 people work in my office? So I just turn back to him, say goodbye, let go of his hand and then walk out of the office, down the stairs, out of the door of the building and straight into oncoming traffic. Oh, Tim. <laughs> oh, that's so wonderful. I think he was joking. No, no, I know, I know. I, I felt, I thought, oh, God, I was slow on the uptake there and I didn't get it immediately, but I was hoping that I'd styled it out in much the way I hoped that I'd styled it out with the hand, <laughs> hand sanitizer, but obviously I didn't manage it with that either. I thought I needed to do add, and it's my ghost now that's writing this email. <laughs> <laughs> and this is from Mark, who lives in Australia. Australia is a perilous setting for any drifter. The default character for most Aussies range from warm and charming to bombastic larrikins, but very few would be described as aloof or indifferent to strangers. This is amplified by living in a rural town where people greet each other with a good day as they pass in the street and strike up conversations in supermarket queues. Despite my drifterish tendencies and training from growing up in London, eyes down, hands in pockets, I enjoy this sense of community and can cope in most circumstances. However, there are some contexts that really ramp up the pressure on a socially awkward whinging pom who'd often rather be left alone. 
As Annabelle and Jeff have explored, parenthood can thrust drifters into dangerous situations that push them to their limits. Small talk at school functions and being assigned roles within sporting clubs are all rich veins to be tapped for other stories. But the worst by far is anything to do with water. Swimming and water sports are part of Aussie life and as a father of three Australian children I have taken each of them to swimming lessons since they were six months old. Thankfully they are now all at the point in their swimming training where I am no longer needed in the water so I get to sit at the side of the pool staring at my mobile phone and avoiding eye contact with other parents who are casually chatting like being polite and interested in other people is normal and I'm the strange (laughs) one. The time spent in the water with an infant during lessons is filled with many mortifying moments. Hauling my pasty dad bod in and out of the pool while the muscle-bound Aussie dads looking like the cast of Magic Mike appear to levitate their Adonis-like frames was a (laughs) weekly sufferance. One particular incident remains the most mortifying, however, and triggers flashbacks each time I return to the pool. Swimming lessons in Australia tend to take place in purpose-built venues rather than public baths. The swim school my children attend has a range of different sized pools separated into blocks with over 20 swimming lessons taking part simultaneously. Pre-COVID, on a Saturday morning, the venue would have over 200 children and parents going in and out constantly for lessons on rotation and the atmosphere was was congenial as parents watched their kids in their lessons. My son was three at this stage and even then has a loud, rascalish personality that belies his parentage. (laughs) I was in the water with him and the other children and their parents had been in the same swim class since the children were six months old. So we'd all become part of their routine, seeing them each Saturday morning. There had even been a few birthday party invitations where we met outside of the swimming pool. At the 15-minute mark of the lesson, the children had a sweet routine of climbing out of the pool, holding hands in the line and walking around the pool together before jumping back in and swimming back to their parents. It was a showcase moment when the parents applauded their bravery for jumping in. On this occasion, something was wrong, however. While I was still in the water and he was in the line about to walk around the pool, my son broke away from his friends and ran back to me. Leaning over the pool, he whispered, I need a wee. A good parent would have climbed out of the pool at this point, but feeling the eyes of the other parents on me and not wanting to reenact the sea life whale show an extra time when I didn't need to, (laughs) I committed a social faux pas that many parents will be guilty of. I whispered back, just go in the pool. My son told me, I can't, but I reassured him, it's fine. All the other boys and girls do it, don't worry. Wanting to end the conversation and needing to swim to the other end of the pool to meet him, I turned my back ready to swim away, presuming he'd rejoin the parade and walk around the pool. He didn't. It was at this point that a plume of liquid shot past my right ear and began to splash into the pool in front of me. Aghast, I turned around to see my son with his swimming trunks around his ankles urinating into the pool while standing on its edge. (laughs) the whole place went silent and time seemed to stop attempting to inject my son with the same sense of shame and self-regret that has crushed me for 40 years i asked desperately what are you doing what are you doing (laughs) my australia born son shouted back gleefully doing a wee in the pool like you told me to it's okay dad you said everyone does it he pulled up his trunks and readjusted himself and joined his friends walking around the pool in a line led by a scowling swimming instructor The rest of the lesson is a blur, but I do remember an elaborate show of testing the pH levels by one of the staff and an excruciating conversation with the manager at the side of the pool while I was dripping wet and shivering while wearing only my swim shorts. Oh, Oh, that is spectacular. I love that so much. So wonderful. Send us your story, please. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Annabelle? Yes. I'm sitting here and I'm ready for another way in which you are not a fully functioning adult. So, as promised, at the end of last year, I'm going to talk about the time I was on Friendly TV. (laughs) Now, firstly, this was a very long time ago. I think it was 2003 
when I was 27 and I was working on the Pete and Jeff Breakfast Show. We're really raking up the old stories, aren't we, from back in the day, My Dancing on Ice, your friendly TV. Yes, yes. So that's when it was. Now what Friendly TV was. So it was a now defunct cable TV channel. According to Wikipedia, it launched in 2003 and, I quote, received immediate criticism for its poor content. (laughs) (laughs) It had a lot of interactive shows where people text in. And I think this information in itself is painting a very clear picture. I've got some names of programmes on it for you. Cash House, Stash the Cash, Vegas 24-7, Live Roulette, Gamer Web and Bikini Beach. <laughs> Apparently, I didn't know this, but I read it today. In the early days, it didn't have adverts, but it did have breaks. So instead of the adverts, the camera used to zoom in on a TV screen where they put up stuff like results of polls. Oh. Like it, 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 was, it was very low budget. Now, I didn't work on this channel, but I was a guest on an evening show called Girl Talk. And this... <laughs> I'm sure it was all down to you, Jeff. Have you got any memories at all of how it happened? No, I, I don't remember anything about it. If, if unprompted, I would never have remembered that this happened. But when you said, oh, really? But when you said friendly TV, it has. I've, I've got okay. the vaguest of memories. So, from memory, I think that you stumbled across this channel one day and found it funny. I'll t- tell you what it was. There was a period. It was a brief period. It was, but but a golden era where channels started filling airtime with quizzes and money-making premium rate phone-in question things, right? Mm. And it was a combination of very, very inexperienced people, low budget, (laughs) and having to fill... And and for me, that was just glorious. And there was... Because, you know, channels used to just close down overnight... And then they realised they could make money by doing these premium rate games where people called in and answered questions. Mm, mm. But a lot of the time no one was calling in or the presenters had to drag it out to get the maximum number of calls before they gave away a prize. Yeah, And they didn't have anything to work with. There were no production values. And I just love that. I just love watching people flounder like upturned turtles, (laughs) desperately... Uh, sort of reaching inside of their souls and 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 then just pulling out whatever's there in order to fill the time. For some people, because of the job that you're in, that would be their worst nightmare, and therefore they couldn't bear to see someone else doing it. But so I like the fact that it just it used to tickle you. Well, I know, I know. Maybe that's partly why it tickled me. Some kind of relief. It wasn't me. But what yes. I really like about it is. You really get to see see who who who's underneath the veneer, right? Because right. they always start yeah. and and uh, they'd be really upbeat and TV presentery, yeah. And then they just have to fill, and the weird stuff that comes out of people when they have to fill. Oh God, I I got this a desperate urge to watch it yeah. now. Desperate urge. Yeah. So you so you liked it, went through a phase of liking yes. it, and I think you thought it'd be funny if I went on it and then spoke about it the next morning on the radio show. That sounds, Does that sound, sound right? That sounds how that, those sorts of things sounds, usually yeah. went. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was me. Then it was also Becky who worked on the show for a bit and Emma who worked on rock and roll football and also reception. Now, my memories, as I say, are very hazy. But here is what the billing was of, of Girl Talk, which I saw online today. I think it was on between 9 and 11 at night. And this is the quote I found from the listings. Let the girls get you in the mood for tonight's edition of Babecast. So come on, open the lam- Lambrini and share a curry. <laughs> it's girl talk. So is that saying you were warming people up for soft porn? Yes, essentially. <laughs> and I definitely remember there being a curry. And I also remember it was not served up in bowls. It was just laid out in those plastic takeaway containers. And it was very oily. It was like 50% oil. <laughs> There was definitely wine as well. And I remember there being shots, but I also remember not wanting to do them. So I kept trying to hide them, forgetting I was on TV and therefore it was impossible (laughs) to hide them. I also remember that people could text in and that about 50% of the texts were from men with foot fetishes who wanted to show them our bare feet. (laughs) 
Now, I tried to see if there was anything online, partly to jog my memory and partly so that I could then employ one of those agencies that manipulates the internet so all your bad stuff disappears. <laughs> and I had to do some quite deep digging and I had to use that Wayback Machine Internet Archiver. But I did find a long-deleted Virgin Radio webpage about that fateful night. Oh, wow. Along with photos someone had taken of their TV screen. Oh, like, wow. Either, either you or the producer. First thing I noticed that on the screen is a number to text and then a message. Then it says the message costs a pound. Pound. People are texting a pound. (laughs) And then at the bottom of the first picture, there is one of these texts displayed. I'll read it to you now. It was from Mandy649. Is it just me that feels horny at work sometimes? (laughs) I mean, that's the kind of text we were getting. On the next photo. That was clearly made up by a producer to try and elicit a similar text like that. Of course it was. Or just to get us girls yeah, talking about yeah. how we feel at work sometimes, which I'm sure that I was very re- readily responsive. <laughs> you know what I'm like? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like Abby Titman's always popping off to the toilet. Like, you know what? <laughs> I seem to remember her saying something like that at the time. Anyway, <laughs> next photo, the text is, are you all single? Can you say hi to Ben? And I can see all the curry and the booze laid out in front of us in the pictures. There's also a female presenter and I can't remember her, but I do remember her guiding the conversation. And I messaged Becky about it earlier and her only memory was lots of awkward silences. And I definitely, I think she's definitely right there. It it was terrible. Eating an oily curry out of plastic containers (laughs) while men pay a pound to ask to see your bare feet. That is such a low point. It's like your worst ever night out being broadcast on television. Don't you think, God, I wish I could get a, a pound from a fair bare feet these days. <laughs> I'd probably, probably do it. But the worst of it is this was kind of the innocent days of friendly TV. By the time it closed in 2010, there was all like adult sex chat telephone stuff. It went very seedy. But there was a period when I didn't realise the way it had gone. And I'm still telling people I've been on friendly TV. And they were like, oh, <laughs> really? So, yeah, yeah. Anyway, if you want to see the photos... Uh, I have contacted one of those internet agencies that erase your online pass. So you can't, sorry. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. All right, a few, few little things for you. Number one is I sometimes just have to accept that I am a man of a certain age. Okay. And I try not to be stuck in my ways. I try to be open to the modern world. I think I do a reasonably good job. But I am also the product of, my, uh, of, of uh, the time in which I was born. So, for example, the other day I was on the bus and I saw a man of a similar vintage to me, and he was wearing quite um, flamboyant nail polish, nail varnish. So immediately it caught my eye, and I thought, oh, good for him. But at the same time, it caught my eye enough for me to like look do a double take, because it's not something I'm used to seeing. Mm. So my question is, how can I convey with a look that I'm one of the good ones. I don't think there's anything bad about it. I think he can wear what he wants. And I dream of a world where that wouldn't even register. However, I am of an age where I see that. And it just say, oh, there's, there's a thing. Oh, isn't that nice? Mm. It's 2022. Difficult thing to convey with a facial expression. Have you ever tried a thumbs up? <laughs> Do you think that's the way to go? Yeah, for you, I think definitely, yeah. Okay. Okay, I'm going to try it next time. I'm just going to practice it on you. This is what I look like, just giving somebody a thumbs up across the aisle of the bus. <laughs> what was wrong with uh, that? I'll just, I'll think of, I'll see if I can think of anything better. I'll, I'll come was, back to you What was wrong that. with that? Uh, to be honest, a lot of it was, I'm, I'm guessing you're wearing a mask on the bus, but a lot of it was down to the accompanying smile. And th- I'm not saying it was a bad smile. It was just in combination with the, oh God. <laughs> 
Okay, we're back on the stuff about my smile being creepy. No, 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 you've got a lovely smile. It's we just... know that, haven't we? This has long been established. I think I think you, your genuine smile is really nice. Your fake smile isn't, and that was a fake smile. Ah, uh, okay, okay. I think I got out there. Yeah, I think that so. That's good. Yeah. All right. Uh, next thing I was going to mention is, oh, I had, I've, I've had a, a burgeoning friendship with somebody I, I've got to know a little bit through work a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and quite recently, we took it to the next level by going for a walk together. Oh, okay. Lovely, right? It's really nice. Lovely. And then um, I sent him an effusive email saying how much I'd enjoyed the walk and following up, you know, just, you know, when you maybe mention a TV show or a podcast and then you maybe include a link to it in the email or you've been talking about where you got your sweater from and you... Yeah, when I say sweater, <laughs> jumper, jumper. From. Yeah. So you uh, you maybe like send them a link to to that, or mm-hmm. say I could always send you one of those jumpers. What size? Are... Anyway, the point being, I sent send this effusive email, um, kind of saying how much I enjoyed it, and he's he's. I'd say my email was probably three paragraphs in total. Okay. He sent back a perfectly positive reply, mm. one paragraph. And you're worried that it doesn't equal yours, so he, he he didn't enjoy it as much. Yes. What I'm asking is, is 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 the mismatch in length of reply Mm-mm. always indicative of something else? If you really want to um, make sure that you match somebody in email form or any communication, somebody texts you about something, do you then have to text back the same length? Otherwise, it's some kind of snub or power play. This had never even occurred to me. I think I can be guilty of someone sending a four or five paragraph email and I will send just one line, like a very, very friendly, totally equal in terms of gushingness, but it will just be one line. And now I feel awful. I didn't realise I was supposed to match it. Like Some of us aren't that great at writing emails. I've been there all day. Me too. (laughs) Sarah will sometimes say, what's the matter, Sarah? I'm just so stressed. I've got to reply to some emails. <laughs> yeah. So I think about I think subject line. I've got to think about what to write, what the pleasantry. We talked about this, didn't we? But we'll, yeah, yeah, What yeah. the pleasantry is and all that. Whereas she'll just sit down, write what comes into her head in much the same way as if she goes into a cafe and mm. they s- speak to her. She just says what comes into her head. Oh, right. And then I've they say, so, yeah, and not mm. overthink it. Mm. Yeah, I see what you mean. I, I do think, I, th- I think two thirds is the rule. So you've got to match it by two thirds. At least. Oh, this is, this is going to weigh heavily on me. I didn't, I didn't even know this was a thing. And now it's another thing to add to my list. Okay. Okay. Right. Final thing. Mm. Went to the doctors this morning. I, uh, when I got there, there was somebody ahead of me um, at the reception desk. Some waiting. And I'm not eavesdropping, I'm not straining to hear, but I hear the uh, receptionist say, okay, so what I'll do is I'll text you the email address and then if you email me, and I don't even know what she asks him for but because I've I've tuned out by that point, but that's the bit of the conversation I hear. Mm-hmm. He then leaves the surgery, I get to the front of the queue, I give my name, she says to take a seat, and I'm sitting there waiting for the uh, for the nurse. As I'm sitting there waiting, I get a text from the doctor's surgery with an email address saying, here's the email address, thanks, Beryl. And it instantly becomes apparent what's happened. Oh, yeah. She sent it to beat me by mistake. Yeah. Now, the waiting room isn't full, but there are quite a few people around, and it's relatively small. So I wait until she's free, and I discreetly sidle up to the uh, to the desk, and I say in as quiet a voice as possible, oh, just to let you know, I think this text I've just received um, was perhaps for the gentleman who was before me in the queue. And she looked mortified and a bit angry at me. Angry? You've done nothing wrong. I think I've embarrassed her. Well, what are you supposed to do? Exactly. Just I spoke in a, let a this lower gentleman voice. not get the email address? Well, I wonder if that's what I should have done. This is like my mini quandary to lead into quandary corner. Oh, really? No, I think you did 100% the right thing. If you'd have bellowed it from the other side of the room... Oi, Beryl, yeah. like that, 
that's not good. No. But sidling up. I did sidle. It was a real sidle. I can tell. Lowered voice. Yeah. Hushed tones, I would describe it as. Then no one would have heard it. Although everyone's straining to hear at the doctors, aren't they? Because you're desperate to know. If everyone's as nosy as me, you're desperate to know what everyone's in for. (laughs) So everybody would have been straining to hear. Mm. Yeah, maybe you should let let it lie. I should have said, can I have a quiet word in private? Oh, God. No. No, no, you're right, you're right, you're right. She'd have said, why? No, why? That's not something we do around here. Sorry, I'm a receptionist. We don't do private words. Mm. Oh, what I know what you should have done. Yeah. A note, given her a note. I should have done, I should have done. I sh- you should have slipped her a note. Yeah, I should have been carried out. Oh, I should have wrote a note in my phone and then handed yeah. it to her. Yeah. Which then would have looked like I was committing a bank robbery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She would have pressed the red button <laughs> under the table. Yeah, maybe not. Oh, it's impossible to answer. I, know. I, know. I just blame Beryl, really. She should be more efficient. Yeah. Okay, then shall we do actual Quandary Corner now at the Glatz Clinic first here one. in Problematic? Sorry, first one from Chris. Chris? Yes. I started seeing someone back in May after many years of being single. She's wonderful. Ooh. And I've even introduced her to the prog- podcast, which she relates to. What? Yes, she's one of us. Oh, I love her. You should marry her. Yeah. Of course, we mention each other to close friends and family in the relatively early stages of our relationship. However, our quandary is this. How do you mention a new relationship to workmates and more casual acquaintances? I'd like these folk to know, but it seems like almost showing off to announce it as news. How do I do it? Should I casually mention doing something with my girlfriend at the weekend and act like I'd already talked about her? Or do I have to wait until getting married or having a kid to have something newsworthy? Sarah, on the other hand, says she'd be quite happy not to mention it as she doesn't like work folk knowing all her personal business. But then worry she look like a total weirdo, her words, if she's living with someone or something has never mentioned them before. What's the rule? Thank you, Chris and Sarah. I totally get this. Yeah, yeah. Of... Well, we we talked about it a few weeks ago, didn't we? The the announcing of good news feels weird. Mm, mm. So how do you how do you tell work colleagues without telling them? Because I I think I am somebody who would struggle a bit with this, and you are somebody who would it just be impossible for you, like because I've said many times you could have saved a busload <laughs> of children from falling into a canyon on the way over to record the podcast and you wouldn't, you wouldn't mention it. <laughs> I would, I would. But yeah, I can. And, and yeah, then it would come up like six weeks later on ways in which I'm not a fully functioning adult. <laughs> well, I'd say I was just saving it, sorry. <laughs> no, but I think um, you, you specifically really struggle with anything where you're kind of making yourself the centre of attention in a certain way. Unless, unless these are people who they're with me from day one and they, they know I'm going on a date. Yeah. Like I'd tell them everything. Yeah. Unless they're those people, I don't understand. Oh yeah. If it's those people, you'd be them. like one of those sex in the city women. Oh yeah. I'm like I'm all over it. Yeah. But <laughs> in any, that, that, in that context, I find it possibly you could have phone conversations that uh, anything that involves me overtly telling people. So I'd maybe get Sarah to phone the office and talk to her on the phone be like, all right, all right, babe. See you. I don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, I'll, 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 um, I'll wash the bed sheets tonight. I don't know something that would indicate I just a relationship. Feel like you have to wait for it to co- to come up, right? You just need somebody to say, oh, "What did you do at the weekend?" You say, "Oh, I went to the pictures with my girlfriend," and then they say, "Girlfriend, yeah, oh, how long's yeah, that been yeah. going on?" And then you yeah, say, yeah. and then they'll spread it around because you can't make an announcement. No, 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 you can't no, say, so "Guys, weird. guys, got some news, <laughs> yeah. girlfriend." Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. Wait till it comes up naturally. Yeah. Yeah, don't and try if it and shoehorn it naturally in. before children, marriage, living, moving in together, etc. Then so be it. Yeah, so be it. The worst thing that's going to happen is somebody will find out at some point and say, "Oh, you're a bit of a dark horse, aren't you?" And, and who, who, who wouldn't, wouldn't be want to be described horse. as being exactly. a dark horse? Exactly. Yeah. Okay, great. We we'll solved that. Next is from Justine, who is just outside Vancouver, in brackets, Canada. I drove with my dog to a park about 40 minutes away so he could meet and play with his best friend. 
I don't have kids. This was our equivalent of a play date. We usually meet at a great off-leash park near in my house, but limited daylight and being back at work meant we had to meet somewhere more in between our homes. My friend and her dog arrived and we proceeded to walk around the outer paths, chatting and trying to keep warm while our dogs wrestled and ran, completely immersed in their play. We met a few dogs and people on our way and eventually crossed paths with a small group of dogs and owners. Our two dogs engaged them and started playing in the group. All was good. Everyone was having fun. After a while, most of the other dog dog owners wandered off towards the parking lot as it was getting darker and we were left standing with one young man and his dog who was playing with my dog mostly, ignoring my friend's dog a bit. The young man might have been even a teenager. I'm not totally sure of his age. He was chatting somewhat awkwardly about his dog and their play. He was also standing just a little too close to me. When I moved away a bit, he stepped forward and got too close again. This happened at least five times in five minutes. He was easily within the three foot comfort zone required for personal space and he was a total stranger. My friend's dog was a little left out of the game and I could see my friend was getting a bit irked as she wanted her dog to burn off some steam and I wanted to walk our two dogs away without being rude so they could play together. Wordlessly understanding that we both had the same goal, my friend and I started to walk up the path and called our dogs after us. And to my dismay, the guy invited himself along and walked with us. He was still walking too close to me to the point where I was walking off the side of the path to regain some personal space. It was making me so uncomfortable, but he wasn't being overtly rude or anything. So what on earth could I do? After another five minutes or so of awkwardness, in desperation, I pulled out my phone and quickly texted, I can't shake this kid off, to my friend, followed by, he's too darn close. She read my messages and we exchanged horrified glances Uh. as the guy continued talking about the dogs and the snow and the weather, completely oblivious. It was clear he was not trying to be rude or creepy. He just didn't understand social norms or personal space or something. We walked a little further. It was excruciating. And then suddenly my friend piped up and said, hey, hope you don't mind. It's just with COVID and everything. I mean, she and I are friends and in a bubble and we just uh, we don't want to walk too close or something along those lines. I nearly died of embarrassment. But to our relief, the guy said, sounding somewhat offended, unsurprisingly, OK, I'll go the other way then. He called his dog and turned to walk in the other direction. I wanted the earth to swallow me right there. My friend and I carried on. Our dogs totally absorbed each other again. We discussed what had happened. She was just as mortified as I was and said she couldn't think of another way to get rid of the poor guy. I agreed. I had no better plan. Was what she said the best solution or is there a better way to get rid of fellow dog walkers when you've had enough? Oh, God, I wish Sarah was here because she is an expert at at just shutting people down. Whereas... I mean, I, f- I feel like uh, I'd, I'd still be with that guy if it was me. <laughs> it can be a problem. I mean, it's ha- this has happened to me before to some extent mm. of being out walking the dog and people want to have conversations and the conversations don't tend to be much more interesting than dog breed, dog age, that kind of thing. And you kind of want to get away and it can be difficult, especially if you're walking in the same direction. Yeah. And especially if you get the sense that their direction is is aimless. They're just out for a walk. So wherever yes. you go, they'll change direction. It's, it's definitely happened to me before that someone has said, oh, well, I'll come along with you. In fact, once, this was shocking, a lady, it's when my dog was a puppy and he's playing with another dog. She said, um... I always find that I meet other people on these dog walks and the dogs play well together. They'll never see them again. So should we exchange numbers? <gasps> Horrendous. Horrendous. I know. So basically the question is, how do you get rid of somebody in an outdoor setting? Yes. When you're just sort of doing an aimless dog walk. Yes. And so are they. You can't say, well, I wanted to walk alone today or I wanted to walk. It's very difficult. Because the the you've you've already let it go on too long. Mm-mm. Because if you just at the point at which you'd had the, you'd exhausted the oh how old is he oh don't they play nicely together? Um, if you'd then said anyway, it was nice talking to you. That's mm. that's the only get out point. If it yeah, goes beyond yeah, yeah. that, if you miss that, you're stuck forever. Yeah, I think you are stuck forever. 
I I find that I pretty much always have my headphones in. So yes, but the, the, you, the there are ways out of it if you're alone. But if mm. there are two of this is what was making it impossible. Yes, it's it's your saying to the kid who's come up to you in the playground or the, and and wants to join in your gang. We don't mm. want you in our gang. Oh, don't. That's what you're saying, and I know because I've been that kid. <laughs> so, what's the nicest way to talk to that kid then? There isn't one, is there? No, unless, I mean, I think you just had to abort the dog walk at that point. You have to say, right, well, we're going now then. Yes, right? And then and then you have to actually go because yeah. you can't risk bumping But into then them. as soon as you're in the car, mm. you text your friend and say, okay, we're going to rendezvous at this location in five minutes. Okay, okay. But this off-leash thing makes it difficult because I'm guessing it sounds like Canada's the same as America where parks aren't just, dogs can't just be off the lead in the park. Oh, really? Yeah, I think a lot of places are like that. So I remember when, you know, I'd spend time in New York or Stockholm for that matter, um, like you'd have these really quite depressing small areas where dogs could be off their leads Whereas here, and like in Germany as well, I think, I mean, speaking with very limited experience, but um, the default is dogs can be off the lead in a park. And then there might be mm. some areas where dogs aren't allowed. But oh, okay. in other places, it's the other way around. Like in Central oh, Park right. in New York, you can take your dog in, I think, before a certain time in the morning, say eight o'clock. Yeah. And then yeah. after that, you, they have to be on leads or in these um, like really little pens paddocks so i did not know about no that. so that mm. makes it complicated so they've gone to the one off-leash park mm, mm. and it's not like they can it sounds like perhaps it's not easy to just drive to another one of similar quality i think what we're coming to the conclusion is they couldn't have done anything better than the friend well you could you could you but you you let you let it go on too long yeah 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 yeah, nip it in the bud early <laughs> on, but you weren't you weren't to know that this guy was going to um, outstay his welcome. No, no, this is a bit, uh, it was a freak circumstance. Yes, and I think you handled it the best you could. But in if it happens again, try and get out earlier. Yep, yep. There we go. Okay, okay all sorted. And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you have a story for us, if you have a quandary for Quandary Corner, email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. Thanks to Man on the Echo for the backing music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music. Carla Gowlett took our photos. Kim Rainey designed our artwork. Hopefully next week, Annabelle will be in the same room. Hope so. Oh, actually, I have to go to... It doesn't matter. I have to go somewhere next. Uh, uh, but it shouldn't affect the episode. We'll figure it out. Okay. 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 <laughs> Sorry about that something just occurred to me uh so i'll uh, i'll finish this week's episode by saying i'm doing a wee in the pool like you told me to <laughs> okay this comes from adam who says dear jeff and annabelle my lovely partner, Antonia, has been listening to your podcast since just after you started and is now completely caught up. Antonia, thank you so much for sticking with us. I have no idea why you would do that, but it's uh, it's a wonderful thing. It's a 40th birthday on the 17th of January, 2022, and I was hoping that maybe you'd be so kind as to give her a podication. I attach my well-deserved five-star review of the podcast if such bribery is acceptable and helps swing things well um it absolutely does yes we'll do anything for a nice review won't we annabelle anything at all i'll show you my feet <laughs> either a nice review or a pound yeah pound yeah pound would be nice <laughs> um she experiences a lot of long-lasting mental associations, as do I. I sometimes wondered if it's an OCD-related thing. Either way, Antonia refers to them as brain worms. Oh, that's good. As they're mm. the brain equivalent to earworms. That's really good. Um, some of hers are. Uh, 
whenever someone mentions not liking the weather, having whether weather be cold or whether the weather be hot, whether the weather, whatever the weather, whether we like it or not, run through her head. If she strokes a cat, she always has a clip of data from Star Trek saying she's a good cat and a pretty cat playing in her head. And likewise, if someone says a thing is good and nice, she hears Jerry Seinfeld say, really, really, very good and nice. That's a great episode. Um, she's an absolute delight of a human being and partner. Yours kindly, Adam. I love those associations. They're all so good. Mm, yeah. Um, well, happy 40th. Mm. Antonia, we are delighted to have had you with us for all these episodes. And I hope you have a uh, fantastic birthday. I hope that you are lavished with just the right amount of attention. I hope everything goes to plan. And do you hope, do you hope anything? And I feel like I'm hogging the hoping. I hope 40 is a good birthday and a, a good year. Yeah, I liked 40. I'd say 40 was my best year. Oh, best yeah. year of your life? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'd have to have a few weeks to think about my best year. I'll, I'll get back to you on that. Like, in some ways, Gene being born was the best overall, but it's not just unreservedly the best because you're tired and exhausted and it's hard. Yeah. And it's a joy like no other joy, but it's all the other stuff as well. Whereas mm. I think the the year I turned forty, um, especially from not long after I turned forty, was was just a great year. Good. Mm -hmm. well, there you go. Yeah. I hope it's the same. Yeah. Then forty one, I found you know was was one of the worst. Mm. I hope that bit's not the same for you, Antonia. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, happy birthday to Antonia, fortieth. I, I like forty um, a lot. Um, 50, I'm not sure what I'm going to think of that yet. Mm, that's ages away, don't think about that. Yeah, it's a whole, what, 18 months for me? <laughs> not quite. Um, happy birthday to Antonia from Adam. And if you would like a publication, email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.